when the Chu family's eighth-born son, Chu Chongba, is given a fate of greatness, everyone is mystified as to how it will come to pass. The fate of nothingness received by the family's clever and capable second daughter, on the other hand, is only as expected. When abandoned attack orphans the two children, though, it is Chu Chongba who succumbs to despair and dies. Desperate to escape her own fated death, the girl uses her brother's identity to enter a monastery as a young male novice. There, propelled by her burning desire to survive, Chu learns she is capable of doing whatever it takes to stay hidden from her fate and claim her brother's given destiny as her own. Welcome to Treat Your Shelf, a book club podcast where every month we read a book and review it on this podcast for your listening pleasure. This month, we are reading She Who Became the Sun by Shelley Parker Chan. Yay, I'm Christina. And I'm Hannah. (laughs) Hannah, what did you think of this book? Is that what's next? (laughs) (laughs) We took a month off, so I feel like I'm like really rusty. (laughs) Like more rusty than usual. (laughs) So, Hannah, what did you think of this book? Uh, well, I liked this book. Um, this book didn't go the way that I thought it would. I mean, I hadn't really read the description at all. So all I knew was that it was compared to Song of Achilles and Mulan. So I knew that it would yeah. be queer, uh, tragic, military drama, and that we would discuss uh, gender roles. And the book did all of those things, but I still, uh, but it still managed to surprise me. Uh, mm-hmm. We have our main character, Chu, who throughout this book comes up with so many cockamamie plans. I truly never knew what yes. she was going to do. Her plans <laughs> never seemed to make any sense, but they worked. And it makes sense in the end, which was brilliant and annoying at the same time. Uh, Yes, agreed, agreed. (laughs) I I loved so many of the side characters. Uh, Shuda has my whole heart. I love that man so much. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Yes. I also think that it's really interesting how a book that really only has two recurring female characters was able to show how integral women were in, like, every single decision and event. Even though we have, like, the men going to war and being the leaders, we do see how women are able to find power where they can, which I thought was really interesting. This book also talked a lot about a person's worth, so many characters had to fight to have worth within their community and society. Mm-hmm. But also, like, people's worth could run out, and when it did run out, we get to see what that means in this context of this country at war. It plays a lot with fate, which was really interesting, and I'm just, I'm curious to see how this is explored in the next book. Yeah. But yeah, I think overall this book, it's full of so many complex and morally gray characters. Everyone makes questionable decisions. Yes. (laughs) Yes. <laughs> Everyone. And their decisions make sense and align with what the character's goals are. But still, some of the decisions are pretty intense. And yeah. so, again, I'm just, like, really curious to see where this series goes and, like, what these characters' ultimate fates are going to be. 
So yeah, that's what I thought. Wow, that was so well put. <laughs> um, I literally have almost nothing to add, and I couldn't have said it better myself. I I mean just for the just for the record I did really like this book and also just for the record just for the record record this is a book that I chose for this month so um that's why I was really curious to see what Hannah thought about it (laughs) first and I'm really glad you liked it yeah so I am really interested to see how the characters develop moving forward it was such a complex character-driven novel Mm. and I didn't really expect that at all for some reason I mean like you um I don't really read the summaries of books too much anymore right and yeah I had heard Song of Achilles and Mulan and kind of set in this 1300s time period and that was enough to kind of sell me on this book and I'm glad we took the chance with it Mm -hmm. yeah yeah Yeah, a little bit on the chunkier side, but it was worth it. Yeah. All right. So now we're going to delve into our spoiler-filled review. So if you had not read this book and you would like to, then pause here, read the book, and come back. But if you don't mind being spoiled, then keep on listening. Yeah. Uh, So this novel starts off in the year 1345. We come upon this famine-stricken village We're following the life of a girl who's lost most of her family to famine. Mm -hmm. It's just her brother and her dad left. And their brother is Chu Changba. Yeah. He has been destined for greatness. Already we get the separation between him and her. We have her. She's out, like, trying to grab food for herself, trying to catch. Like, she ends up catching a lizard. Mm-hmm. That uh, is going to be her food for herself. And we get this description of how, like, she's, I think, the only girl left in her village. And yeah. how to have survived, she really had to look out for herself because the families were really only looking after their sons to make mm-hmm. sure they had somebody to carry on the family line and the family name. So already things are very grim. And we just have. Her brother, I mean, even in this famine, I feel like he's still kind of pretty pampered because we don't really see him having yeah. to go out and grab his own food. I mean, mm-hmm. she she comes back and she makes the food for both her brother and her dad. So she's doing seemingly doing more work than definitely her brother. Yeah, we don't really have a clear idea what the dad is doing, but he brings home some melon that he found i guess Mm -hmm. and even then we can see how ill-favored she is yeah Uh, chu changba takes her portion and eats it all (laughs) yeah the absolute worst i mean greedy self-entitled and it's his birthday coming up Mm -hmm. so they go to see this fortune teller and like all three of them, Chu Changba is given this awesome reading where he's told that he will have, I mean, he'll like rule for 10,000 years, mm-hmm. like his name will go on forever. He's destined for greatness. And their dad's just like beaming with pride, whatever. They leave. And the girl stays behind because she wants to know what her destiny is. Mm-hmm. 
and the fortune teller tells her that it's nothing yes which is really depressing yeah it's really crushing for her i mean she's Mm -hmm. living through these tough times and then to hear that oh this brother who's like really awful to her is destined for these great things and then she just has nothing in her future it's awful yeah i mean she's working so hard and he's doing literally nothing and Mm -hmm. he's just going to be given this great destiny well these bandits come to the camp attack the camp kill their father yeah yeah so it sends chuchangba into a state of catatonia while I mean, he becomes completely useless. Yeah, And the girl is running around digging a hole to bury their dad in, trying to make preparations, trying to still find food for Mm -hmm. everyone, trying to feed Chu Chongba while he just sits there drawn inside of himself. Yeah, I mean, this is her last family member and he's supposed to be destined for greatness. So she's kind of like, you know have to take care of him now like that's really her only way but but yeah he just gives up even though he was told like not a day or two ago that hey you're gonna be great it's like nope he just he just gives up gives up on his fate and so then that's what she sees when when he dies because he just wastes away and gives up Mm -hmm. which is kind of a bad way i don't know but that is what he does he does. I think he dies of, like, starvation. Like, he yeah. refuses to eat. He was already close to death because they were all starving anyways. And him just sitting there, I feel like that's how he must have died. Yeah. But, yeah, so then she, this is where she takes fate into her uh, her own hands. But it's really interesting in the story because she she takes on his fate. So we hadn't had a name for her, and we don't have a name for her specifically throughout pretty much the entire mm-hmm. book. But she takes on his identity and she's like, I'm going to basically fool heaven and I am going to assume his life, assume his fate. I'm going to be destined for greatness because that's what was destined for him. I don't know. It's just really interesting that she she even attempts that, that she like switches fates with him so that he gets the nothing fate and then she gets the greatness fate. Yeah. But then the whole book, she's like stuck trying to be him even though he's the one who gave up and she's the one who has propelled his fate forward i don't know it's interesting because yeah yeah i see what you're saying like she's the one who deserves the fate and has worked hard for the fate and yet she still feels the need to like become a different person and attribute that success to a different person yeah yeah and think that it's because she was a different person and not herself propelling herself Right, because she's forward. taken on this persona, yeah. that that's the reason mm-hmm. for it, when it, as opposed to it being her want to survive and her drive to do these things that is really doing it. So Yeah, and I think really the person that helps her, I mean, this is jumping ahead a little bit, but the person that helps see her, see that in herself is Shu Da. Yeah. Because he's always like, I've seen that drive in you, like, from the first time I met you. Mm-hmm. So, like, the next bit in her journey is that she goes to a monastery because Chu Changba was promised to a monastery when he turned, I think, 13. Yeah, like 12 or 13. Right. But, but yeah, I mean, she's she's young, younger than she's supposed to be as a initiate at this monastery. Mm-hmm. Yeah. 
And of course, she gets to the monastery and there's a lot of starving children mm-hmm. trying to get in. The determination that Shuda was talking about later on is that she stays out there for like three days and without eating or drinking and just sheer grit and determination to get noticed by the abbot in Mm -hmm. order to be let into the monastery and the abbot does notice and lets her in yep under the pretense that she's chu changba of course yeah yep yep i got through these next hundred pages like in a night like i don't (laughs) i loved her time at the monastery i thought it was so fun it was like a little montage of her growing up i feel like yeah, so we do. We get to see what monastery life is like for her, how she comes to kind of like thrive in it, but like in her own way. Yeah. Because at first, I mean, things aren't going great. She's got, of course, the like horrible, almost like schoolmaster, like <laughs> the we've got Fawn, yes. who's just like always Fong. being just really rude to like everybody, but especially her. <laughs> yeah. And, you know, so this is the first time looking back that that Ju Chongba is, like, really caught in a sticky situation mm-hmm. that she has to be clever to, like, think herself out of. And this is a situation where once a month, the all the boys in the monastery have to bathe together. Oh, my gosh. Yeah. <laughs> so right away, she has to figure out a situation or a way to get out of being found out as a girl almost like weeks into like coming into the monastery so that safety could be stripped away right away so she comes up with this elaborate plan to deliver water to master fong personally like somehow get chosen for that um and i can't even remember how it happened but it seemed super random I don't even know if she really had, like, a full thought-out plan, because, like, what ends up happening is just a happy accident where she gets out of having to bathe with them, because... Yeah. And, like, Shuda offers to go with her, and they're dropping off the water for all of the, like, I don't know, like, the elders, the prefects, Mm -hmm. for all of the different prefects, since they get to bathe first uh, before the novices. And it just happens that she ends up slipping and falling into the bath. And Fong Mm -hmm. is just like, this is horrendous. How dare you dirty our water like this? You're never allowed in the baths again. (laughs) Yeah. You have to take cold showers, you know, by yourself. (laughs) Yeah. And she's like, yes, this is what I wanted. Perfect. (laughs) (laughs) Um, We also, around this time, find out that Chu Changba can see ghosts. Oh, yeah. (laughs) And she starts to see ghosts wandering around the monastery. I don't know. It's just a thing. It's not really addressed for a really long time. Yeah, it's just this spooky thing. That's just going on around her that she doesn't notice it happening to anybody else. Nobody else seems to be noticing the ghosts, but she does. And it's just become something that she just has to live with. Right. Shortly after, we get introduced to one of the long running, I guess, antagonists of the novel. He's such a mystery, you know, Uh, his name is Ouyang, which we don't know yet. But he, he's a eunuch and he is the head 
general of the Mongol army. Mm -hmm. And he is particularly surrounded by ghosts. He has lots of ghosts that surround him at all times. Mm -hmm. Right. Yeah, because he he and the prince, like, they all visit the monastery and him being a eunuch is not allowed to go inside the abbot. He's like, nope, you're... You wait out yeah. here, and so Chu just gets to witness this, I mean, insult to this man who is this leader, but yeah. because of him being a eunuch, the abbot just kind of is like, nope, not allowed in. Yep. So. And uh, Ouyang can hold a grudge. Oh, yeah. <laughs> mm-hmm. But yeah, Chu just feels this connection with him. From the beginning, and we see that throughout. Not just that she's seeing all the ghosts that are mm-hmm. falling around him, but their their fates are intertwined with each other. Yeah, yeah. But soon, uh, some nuns come to visit the monastery. Judah mm. <laughs> is happy. I mean, we we see yeah. how he's not really following all of the rules <laughs> that he's yes. supposed to be following <laughs> and he's a very modern monk yes <laughs> he's the best <laughs> <laughs> he's great yes at this point has he been ordained i think at this point yeah i think many years have gone by at this point and he has now um is able to travel and and goes leaves the monastery to to do other things and yeah. i guess like collect he basically taxes. collects he collects taxes <laughs> yeah. for the church <laughs> or the monastery mm-hmm. i suppose but this is when chu during this time decides to take one of her normal showers in a shed mm-hmm. with the cold water and prefect fong comes over and uh, spies her through <laughs> a little window and assumes Chu Changba is showering with the nun. Yeah, because she like quickly gets her robes back on. And so then when she's like opening the door and he's opening the door and he's like, where is she? <laughs> yeah, like, exactly. You dumb man. <laughs> you dumb, dumb man. <laughs> like, <laughs> like, do you see anyone else in here? <laughs> but anyway he's like where is she she must have escaped tell me what's going on (laughs) like no we're gonna go talk to the abbot instead so (laughs) this is one of her cockamamie plans (laughs) oh my god what are you doing (laughs) this is like the first time you also start to question well i guess you know jew's moral character Mm -hmm. but also like the lengths that she's willing to go to in order to protect her destiny yeah yeah because her first thought is to kill Prefect Fong. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. But no, she she goes about ruining him instead, which first she's like, oh, I need to go to the bathroom. Like, I, like, you know, can't go see the abbot looking a mess. Let me just go to the bathroom and then it'll be fine. Yeah. But then she's also been making, <laughs> what, what was it? Like plums? What was it? Not plums. Oh, plum wine. Was it plum wine? Something. Okay, yeah, yeah, yeah. I, it was something like that, yeah. She's been making plum wine. And so she escapes from the latrine, grabs the plum wine and a branch. And now she's just like running away from <laughs> the prefect. And then he's running after her. And then she just bashes him on the back of the head. And I'm like, yes. okay, cool. I guess that like solves your problem. But she's still not done with her plan. <laughs> no. 
She's not. Because, <laughs> yeah, after bashing him on the head, she, like, wakes him up and is pretending now to be a nun and is like, oh, here, take this medicine. And it's just yes. the wine. So she's, like, forcing him to just chug this wine. Yes. And then she yells out, like, intruders. <laughs> and so then all the <laughs> nuns are, like, in an uproar because they see this drunk prefect where they yes. are. <laughs> oh, my God. I mean, and then also I'm like, she must have hit this guy really hard in the head for him to, like, immediately forget everything that was that just happened for the past, like, ten minutes. Right. Oh, my gosh. So, basically, Prefect Fong is kicked out yeah. of the monastery. The abbot's like, you gotta go. <laughs> yep. Uh, he tries to blame Chu, but uh, instead the abbot... Uh, makes her an offer to work with him yeah and i mean i think he's it's not like he's in the dark but the abbot i mean basically is like yeah i kind of see what happened but also i like the initiative come work Mm -hmm. for me (laughs) exactly and he remembers her determination from all those years before sitting at the gate you know and, oh, this is also where, so after this meeting with the abbot, where he makes her an offer, she goes back down to the celebrations. It's some sort of holiday. Mm-hmm. I don't exactly remember what yeah. festival it is, but it's why the nuns are visiting. Mm-hmm. So she goes back to join the procession or whatever. And this is when Shu Da is like, did Prefect Fong find out that you were girls that like what happened mm-hmm. and like you did this to him and she's like what <laughs> you knew and he's like yeah we've been yeah. sharing a bed like a like a pallet for years of course I know <laughs> but yeah. he's still so sweet and still calls her little brother and I just it's really adorable Hmm. I really love it yeah. It's really sweet. Their relationship is really sweet. Yeah. <sighs> so a big through line in this novel as well is trying to find the Prince of Radiance. Mm-hmm. So he's supposed to bring like unity to the country and he has this mandate from heaven, which is some special power. Yeah. Like literally magical radiance like radiates yeah. from his body like you'll you'll be able to tell when you see somebody like the con is kind of has the mandate still but it's been fading and so they've been kind of keeping him out of the limelight as much Mm -hmm. um because it's very visible the like flame-esque like radiance coming off of him is not as bright so yeah so now they're looking for the prince of radiance who will be shining brighter than the con yep and he remembers all 10,000 of his past lives. Mm-hmm. So a very wise young, young child. Yes. Yep. And he has been found. And he is with the Southern armies, the rebels mm-hmm. called the Red Turbans. Mm-hmm. And they've been fighting the Mongols. And basically that's just the setup for the conflict that we're going to be experiencing for the rest of this novel. Yeah. But... The monasteries are neutral, and the abbot wants to send 
Joel, like as soon as he, she's been uh, ordained mm-hmm. to kind of go and explore the world a little bit, go to these different camps, you know, on both sides and mm-hmm. kind of see what's going on. And she thinks this is her chance to kind of break out and maybe fulfill her destiny. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Things I'm, are looking up. Things are looking up. It's her ordination day. Gets ordained. And then Oh Young. Who never forgets uh, grudge. He holds his grudges. So, he holds his grudges. That's what I'm trying to say here. And he bursts into the sacred chambers doors mm-hmm. just as... Chu has been ordained. The fire is lifted off her head. Mm-hmm. And he declares war on the monastery, basically. Yeah, I mean, first he's like, you know, pay up. Like, support support your ruler. Give us this much money. Like, you can do it. It'll be fine. The abbot's like, mmm, don't really want to do that. Do not care for you. I mean, the abbot, in this instance is not the best. I mean, is saying, I feel like he was saying some pretty, like, offhanded thing. Like, I don't know. Yeah. He wasn't being great. Being pretty stubborn, being pretty, uh... Well, yeah, what he says is that he... that the Prince of Henan should send his creature to insult me, so... And I'm like, Aww. ugh, ugh, Abbot. I mean, honestly, yeah. Ouyang, like, I get it. He's had so many slights against him for so many years. And he's in a position of power. Mm-hmm. He's going to use it. And he does. So the monastery has to go. Yep. He burns it down and kills the abbot. Yep. Yep. Yep, yep, yep. And we don't know what happens to Chu for a little bit. Yeah, I didn't realize that we were going to have multiple points of view, in part because like the chapter titles are dates and places and not yeah. character names. So I didn't mm-hmm. realize until all of a sudden we got the Ouyang chapter that I was like, oh. Yeah, same. I was like, uh, did she die? Like, what's happening? <laughs> I mean, she can't die, but still. Right. <laughs> yeah. Ugh. And Essen, Lord Essen, who is the son of the Prince of Henan. So we get to know him a little bit more in this chapter. Mm-hmm. Him and Ouyang are really close, but they have a really strange relationship throughout the whole novel. It's so complicated. It's so complicated. In every way. It's I don't think it's a relationship that could have ever been healthy. Mm-hmm. because of their past because uh yeah. Ouyang was he was the one person spared in his family it was one of those things where like the entire all of the generations that they could destroy of his family they destroyed uh, mm-hmm. and then he just escaped because they turned him into a eunuch instead so he carries that because then he was also made a slave to to Essen and his family And so that's how he grew up. And it was only later, like, through his connection with Essen that he was able to become a general. So, like, on the one hand, like, he's he loves Essen and Essen loves him. But also, I mean, there is a power imbalance between them. And Essen just Mm -hmm. doesn't realize his privilege ever. He's always saying... he's so just 
clueless. Yeah. Clueless, clueless, clueless. I mean, he seems really sweet and he has moments where he's really sweet and adorable, uh, but he just doesn't realize his position and he doesn't realize Oh Young's position and he's constantly making these like microaggressions against him. Mm-hmm. And and just doesn't realize the power that his words hold. And it's just really yeah. frustrating because on the one hand, I'm like, oh, I want I want them to be able to work out. But I just also don't think that their relationship ever could because it would be completely unhealthy. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Hands down. Hands down. Yeah. We'll talk about it more later yeah. as well as we get into it. But that's a good summary. So we just really get introduced to them here. I'm not sure. I think um, this part for me was kind of hard to get into after the first part. Mm. Like I love the monastery like learning montage Mm -hmm. sort of bit. And then I think for me novels that are like really tactical war wise are like really hard for me. (laughs) I could see that. I could see yeah. that. I I mean, one of the things that surprised me was having to go to the monastery. Because I had had, like, Song of Achilles and Mulan, I was thinking that we were going to get her, from the beginning, learning how to be, like, a military figure and getting that, like, military training from the beginning. And then when she just got this mm-hmm. monastic, like, just monk life mm-hmm. montage instead... I found that surprising, but I but I did enjoy it, though I was like, but now we're moving into this very, like, war-heavy, military-heavy thing. How is she going mm-hmm. to survive in this? And it's through more ridiculous plans <laughs> that somehow <Yeah>. work. <laughs> she exactly. makes it work. <laughs> the next chapter, we find out what happens to Chu. <laughs> she... Makes her way to the Red Turban Army. <laughs> Which is a very her thing to do. My, yeah. I, I'm the sole survivor of my monastery burning down. I am going to now go join the Rebel Army. <laughs> well, they have the Prince of Radiance. Mm-hmm. And that might be her path to destiny. Mm-hmm. It's yeah. really hard to say. But she right away runs into Yuchan. Yeah. The thief. The thief boy. The, ch- the, th- the child thief. The child thief. He's I mean, he doesn't steal children. He's a child that is a thief. <laughs> He's really and... sweet and sarcastic and just grumpy. And I love him. <laughs> I love him, too. He was one of those great side characters that's like... Um, so right away, I guess we should go back. Right as Chu gets into the city, she's approached by Ma, um, and little Guo. And little Mm -hmm. Guo is a general, and Ma is his betrothed Mm -hmm. and the daughter of a recently deceased general who was killed in battle. Yeah. They don't believe that he's a monk, more so little Guo, and he threatens to, like, put his chew's head on a spike Mm -hmm. along the city battlements you know he as a compromise to keeping him alive makes chew fight at the next battle right which is kind of an ill-fated battle because it's going to be against Mm ouyang and 
it's in a really precarious situation along a river that only has one bridge, blah, blah, blah. They have a really tiny army and the Mongols have a really large army with skilled archers and they're just a band of rebels, a Mod Podge group of mm-hmm. farmers and whatnot. And Chu, especially a monk who can't even wield a sword or ride yeah. a horse. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So Yuchan comes up after hearing all this, I guess, or I don't know if Ju just tells him all this, but he harps on him like, you might as well just sell the horse and get money and then at least you would have food or like a way to escape or like Mm -hmm. something because you can't ride a horse. You suck at riding horses (laughs) and it's just like riding him Mm -hmm. from day one. It's great. It's super cute. He tries to like rob him right away. And yeah, Chu, Chu like just right away is like, Are you robbing me? Like, I mean, what are you Chu, like, to robs do? him back. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> like, what are you doing? <laughs> uh, and somehow convinces Yuchan to just go to battle with him. Yeah. <laughs> Come join me. <laughs> Yeah, I think it's like he wants his horse so badly that he will just go to battle and like steal his horse when he dies yeah. sort of thing. But um, yeah. <laughs> so the Yao River, that's this ill-fated battle. Chu Changba is determined to come into her destiny mm-hmm. and pray her way out of this because yes! that's her only skill. <laughs> that's her main plan or at least at first that seems to be her only plan i'm like yeah once again do not see what your plan is she went to like the engineer man like uh is it jian jiao jiao but anyway she goes to him and he like has him make just a gong for her Mm mm-hmm so they, you know, they get their little tiny army up and we have Ouyang's army on the other side and she just goes out onto the bridge and just starts praying and banging on her gong. And it causes this massive landslide, yeah. flood, a dam ends up breaking and ends up killing 10,000 soldiers. <laughs> yes. That happened to be crossing the river at that exact moment. Also, like, how big is this river that it could hold 10,000 men? I just can't even. It was. <laughs> and I mean, her her main plan had just been, like, the landslide and, like, I think just a little, like, wave or something just to give them a little boost. Yeah. Did not know that she would end up killing so many people. Yeah, and she took out the bridge, so now there was, like, definitely no way across. Yeah. yeah. So things things worked out for her. Things worked out. Battle won. <laughs> oh. Some people are not happy on both sides. They make you a commander right away. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, you, you have no other experience, but look what you've done for us today. You must be mm-hmm. one of our commanders. Exactly. And she is kind of, like, immediately, because of her previous interactions with little Go, is kind of pitted against him. Because we have, like, the Mm -hmm. two factions in the red turbans, where we have 
little Guo and his like father and, and their side of things. And then we have is he the right minister? Yeah, um, Chen. Chen and the prime minister. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so they're kind of like we have Chen and Guo who are both kind of trying to tiptoe around the prime minister who is very paranoid of everybody yeah. and everything. And so we have Ma who is consistently trying to get her betrothed to like tread carefully and not be too boastful and to be very careful with his words when he is talking to the prime minister because she knows it's not going to go well. But he is Mm -hmm. just very arrogant and is like, no, I know what I'm doing. I'm going to continue to boast and continue to say these things and it'll work out perfectly. Just you wait and see. I'm an amazing general. (laughs) It works out perfectly for him. Spoiler (laughs) alert. Just kidding. (laughs) Ah! (sighs) Well, Guo, little Guo, insists on testing Ju and suggests that she retakes the city of Lu, which is a walled city, mm-hmm. and it's going to be a near impossible task, basically, because she only has, well, they're giving her 500 men, I believe, or 200. 200, 200 men. men, yeah. 200 men. Again, she doesn't know how to fight or ride a horse, <laughs> and she's a commander, and she's going to take this city it's fine but this is where we cut back also and find out what happened when Ouyang and Essen return home oh boy <laughs> it is not good for them the prince of Henan is very angry She's so angry he hates it he hates that they lost mm-hmm. well I mean they lost 10,000 men that's a pretty big <laughs> they lost pretty 10, big loss men. they literally have to take the rest of the fighting season off until next year mm-hmm. and just cool it regain their numbers we meet essen's brother it's his adopted brother bao xiang mm-hmm. wang. um yeah. wang bao xiang you can tell that he's kind of the least favored of the two maybe not because he's adopted per se but also he has like enemy blood so it could be because of that. Yeah, I, I mean, he's technically a part of the same bloodline as Ouyang. Like, they mm-hmm. <laughs> they are related to yeah. each other. And he he got to live simply because he was the son of the prince's sister. Mm-hmm. So that's why he got to be adopted in. But, but yeah, I mean, Essen tries his best to be brotherly toward him in Essen's own way. Yeah. But yeah, the prince isn't super impressed with his adopted son. Yeah. He's the one that does all the ledgers. Mm-hmm. He's like the accountant, the administrator for the royal family there in Henan. He's also mentioned as being a little feminine and... He just doesn't fight. Yeah. And that's a big problem with the Prince of Hanan, is being part of the Great Khan. Yeah. Or the Great Khan's army. Yeah. But he brings all of them into the room. The Prince of Hanan brings Essen, Baosheng, and Ouyang into, you know, his meeting quarters. 
and kind of rips him a new one. Mm-hmm. And uh, mostly Ouyang, really. I, yeah. He almost kills him. Yeah. And Essen steps in. <sighs> yeah, I get it. It's one of those things where you see Essen being protective and sweet and like somewhat mm-hmm. risking his life for his general, for this person that he does genuinely love and care for. Mm-hmm. But again, does not truly see Ouyang for who he is. Yeah. And doesn't realize his position in relationship to Ouyang's. So, but it was, it mm-hmm. is sweet. Like, he does say, like, no, I mean, it should be me instead. Don't, don't kill our general. Kill me instead. And then finally the prince is just like, oh, fine. Yeah. We'll just go with it. <laughs> Let him live for now. Fine. Keep your pet. Ugh. Ugh. Yeah. <sighs> but yeah, it really is that encounter with uh between Chu and Ouyang of that really sets Ouyang on his path where he's mm-hmm. like I'm kind of stuck on my path now. Like you've propelled me into my yeah. fate and to my future where because they're starting to like lose what little power that he had in this place mm-hmm. and and that the prince is so ready to get rid of him. There's not too much more, like, he doesn't have a lot more time that he can waste before getting his revenge for his family. Yeah. Yeah. So things are set into motion now. Yeah. And it's really hard for him because he does genuinely care about Essen. And then I feel like every time he tries to give Essen a chance to convince him to not go through with it, Essen fails. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Like, every time. (laughs) Yeah. Is very dense. He's got a plan going on. They're gonna be doing their like winter. Is it winter? They're like winter hunt. Yeah, the spring hunt. The spring hunt at Haichitu. Mm-hmm. So they're getting re- ready for that, and yeah, he's he's getting a plan in place. Yep. Outside, Lou. Chu mm-hmm. <laughs> Changba's camp is raided by bandits, mm-hmm. just as Yuchun was making a bet. As to how quickly Chu would die. (laughs) (laughs) A bandit came slashing through the camp. (laughs) Luckily, it was just Shuda. He's now a bandit leader. (laughs) I just love that this monk who finds out that his monastery has been like completely destroyed instead of just continuing on with monk life and maybe finding a new place to live and and to work is like yeah no bandit time <laughs> yeah he was like you know i killed the bandit leader and then i joined them i know his story is so <laughs> It's just a really interesting way that he ended up being the leader of the bandits. Yeah. He just, like, fell into it. (laughs) Like, oops. Mm -hmm. I mean, but aren't we glad it happened? Oh, yeah. (laughs) I mean, maybe not glad that he's attacking all of these people (laughs) and trying to kill them, but... That's true. He has killed a lot of innocent people as a bandit, so there is that. (laughs) He's like, oh... Yeah. My best friend, my brother, let me join you in your plan to take on this city that I don't think you can take on, but I'm going to help you anyway. Ugh. I mean, but we know Chu Chongba, she's going to come up with a plan 
and it's going to be great. It's going to be weird. So her and Shuda go into the city to kind of scope it out. And I feel like it's not even clear really what her plan is. Like they go in and they see the procession and they find out that like their whole plan had been that they would hopefully get there before the new like city ruler or governor arrived. But unfortunately they didn't. Uh, they got there mm-hmm. just as he got there, so they're watching this, yeah. um, like, procession, uh, and so I don't even know what her original plan was, but seeing this procession and seeing the wife of the previous, um, is it governor? Yeah. Yeah, of the previous governor, she's like, okay, new idea, I've got this, Shuda, you, you do your own thing, release the rats, cause a distraction, do your own thing, I'm gonna... I'm going to infiltrate the governor's mansion and talk to <laughs> the wife. <laughs> what? Yeah. Makes sense. <laughs> yep. She sees that the wife is pregnant mm-hmm. and ill-treated by the new governor. And so she thinks she can use this to her advantage. This wife, Lady Rui, is so feisty. Yes. So Chu comes into the room disguised as a handmaiden mm-hmm. or something. Mm-hmm. Disguised as a woman comes in and Lady Rui's like, all right, you can leave. Like, I don't need you. And Chu's just standing there and like disrobes. <laughs> like, you know, so she's wearing her monk attire. <laughs> and Lady Rui's like, what is happening right now? Uh, tell me. Chu basically convinces Lady Rui that she is powerful enough to rule this, to rule Lu on her own. Mm-hmm. That she doesn't need a man, that she can be in power as a woman, and that the Red Turbans can see to it that she stays in power mm-hmm. as long as she just, like, lets them into the city. Just open the gates for us, let us take over. I just need to kill the governor. That's all. And I know you hate him. So just let me do it. And she's like, fine, kill him now. Yeah, that was her main thing was that, sure, maybe I can reach out to my husband's, like, people who are loyal to him. But you do, Mm -hmm. you, you monk, you this random monk who sneaked into my room, you must kill the governor. Yeah. And then maybe I'll believe this ridiculous plan of yours. Yeah. And then Chu, I just, she chooses the most painful and ridiculous yes. way to do this. Yes, I agree. The most drawn out way to kill someone. I don't understand why she chose this method. And as the lady points out later, you could have brought down the entire mansion because she just goes up to the governor and setting him on fire, also setting the mm-hmm. room on fire, and it's just like, yeah, what, what, what did you? How did you think this would work? Why was this better than just like a stabbing? Like why, why this? Yeah, exactly. And then she ends up having to like he wrestles with mm-hmm. her while he's on fire. Yeah, and then she ends up having to get on top with him on top of him and smother him with her arm Mm -hmm. yeah she you know inhales a lot of smoke because Mm -hmm. she's in this chamber that's now on fire passes out and wakes up in jail yeah but yeah lady rui is just like i mean i i have the city now i don't 
you know, I can blame you for because you did kill the governor. I have the city. You were right. I have these people who do believe in me and I can take this power and be the ruler here. Mm-hmm. Don't really need to listen. And I guess maybe Shudah's purpose was to be able to let the rebels in because at some point the rebels are let in. And then you just yeah. hear all this fighting and then later he's like, ugh, okay, fine. You had like a backup plan. I see. <laughs> ugh. I guess you were smart about yeah. this, even though you're kind of stupid. <laughs> <laughs> you're not totally stupid, I guess. Ugh. They win Lou. Mm-hmm. And without losing like a single person on their side and they come home and they have even greater numbers because that now they have Shudah and all of his bandits plus the extra people from Lou. Mm-hmm. Then uh, Chu and Ma have like their first little like nice moment. I pictured it under the stars. I don't know what time of day it mm-hmm. was, but I pictured it at a night talk. Right. Just to set the mood, I was listening to Chill Lo-Fi on Spotify, (laughs) and it really, in my mind, set it up as, like, one of those emotional conversations, like, in, like, an anime or something. Okay. Just with, like, the little boop, 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 like, chill music (laughs) in the background. They're talking about want and desire and, like, Mm -hmm. you know, have you ever, you know, choose trying to, like ask Ma basically like why are you putting up with little Guo and his antics and like you know have you ever wanted anything more of this life than what has been set out for you you know I mean basically like Ma is thinking that she is living her destiny right now Mm -hmm. you know her destiny is to live a traditional life live an arranged marriage have babies whatever like that's that's her life. So she's never thought of anything outside of that. And so Chu right now is uh, challenging that mm-hmm. and making her a little uncomfortable, but. Right. Well, because Chu has like such huge ambitions. I mean, she's really yeah. latched on to this word of greatness and she's going to take that to the farthest reaches that she can. Like, she... hmm. So now we go back to Haichatu, which is where the spring hunt is occurring. Mm-hmm. Basically, it's set up as like a great con city. You know, all these great factions of the great cons armies came, have come together and set up this like tent city. Mm-hmm. But it's like much more grander than you know your average tent city that's all these fine silks and embroidered silks and um you know all these fine horses and contests are going on Mm -hmm. you know like uh sword competitions and tournaments and there were a lot archery for sure you know lots of different uh competitions of strength and feats Mm -hmm. and then it would all end in a great hunt and so Essen and his family with the Prince of Hanan, they all go to meet the great Khan. I mean, he's lost the mandate of heaven. He's not looking that great. Yeah. His time is coming to an end and he's trying to avoid that. But yeah, poor Essen is like meeting his hero. And, yeah. <laughs> and the 
great. I wrote con. never meet your heroes, Essen. <laughs> never I meet your oh, heroes. Essen, don't meet your heroes. Because <laughs> he's just very uh, flippant and doesn't pay attention to Essen uh, and Essen's yes. like, feats and everything that he's accomplished. And like Essen mm-hmm. had been like picturing what this meeting would be like, and then it didn't like match up with what he had envisioned. <laughs> so. So he was just a bit sad. <laughs> yeah, we meet some interesting characters. Uh, there's Bolud, mm-hmm. Bolud uh, who is a pompous military governor. Mm-hmm. And he is lending the Great Yuan armies after their defeat at the Yao River. So unfortunately, Ouyang and Baoshang, they're... And, Essen, of course, like they're all in debt to Balud, and Balud takes it out on Baoshang, like just insult after insult, mm-hmm. personal, just grave personal insult after insult, and you could just tell that Baoshang does not appreciate this, and will probably remember this. Right. Yeah. Yes. Yep. Ouyang wins a sword tourney. He wins a gift from the Great Khan, which he resents because the Great Khan killed his family. Yeah. And Alton, later, a Bolud's son, tries to gift the Great Khan a hunting cheetah. Mm-hmm. But when he reveals a gift, it's dead. Yep. Which is the gravest insult. Terrible insult. And threat to the Great Khan's life. Oh Young's enjoying and, himself. He's like, this is the best thing ever. <laughs> yes. He thinks these guys are the worst. And so he's like, oh my God, someone else hates these guys as much as I do. This is great. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. It's like, this wasn't uh, part of my plan, but I'm really loving that this happened. <laughs> yes. Yes. <laughs> Because, yeah, Lord Lord Wong remembered everything, and this is his revenge, is the killing of the cheetah. And it really does perfectly set up Ouyang's grandmaster plan, yeah. because then later that night, Shagan, mm. the prince of Henan, tries to kill Baoshang when he finds out that he is the one that sent the dead cheetah. Right, and... <laughs> I almost feel bad for Baoshang. Like, he tries in his own way to be so supportive of his adoptive family. Like, he uh-huh. has done everything to keep, like, the cities running, to get tax money for them, to supply them with everything that they need. Uh, and here he is, you know, getting a little bit of revenge on somebody who hasn't been uh-huh. great toward him and their family. And his father is just like, no, this is not the way to do it. Just suit up and go to, like, war. What are you doing? Yeah. You ridiculous person. How could you? Yeah. He's like, I regret everything about mm-hmm. your life. I wish you were never adopted. Mm-hmm. <laughs> awful. Yeah, so then we go to the big hunt. This is, all seems really, like, coincidental for me. Like, how did... Ouyang know that Baoshang would be hanging out by a, a wolf den. You see, I don't know. I think I think the Baoshang uh, part is just a happy coincidence for him because I think he went off. He like separated from the hunt so that he could get a wolf 
and it it worked out well that Bao Shang was there as well. So he like seemingly rescues him and gets oh. a. I don't know. I I don't know if. So maybe he was just always gonna get a wolf anyways yeah. to like spook the horse. Yeah. Okay. So Ouyang rescues Bao Shang from a wolf ties the wolf onto the back of his horse and then grabs Baoshang and says he'll escort him back to the Prince of Henan's like hunting party mm-hmm. to see if he can get him an extra horse because Baoshang's horse ran away. Yeah. When they make it up to the top of this rock outcropping, this very steep rock outcropping, the Prince of Henan is there and basically just denying Baoshang an extra horse yeah. like you can't have a horse and Baoshang's like what are you gonna deny me next food and water <laughs> like he just is really dramatic about it yeah but also I mean yeah maybe I like he'll him. cut you off yeah I, I I do feel bad for him like because Ouyang is like really setting him up yeah I mean, he's using this to his good fortune here. He's like, this is the perfect setup, you know. He's able to maneuver it perfectly so that he spooks the prince's horse. The prince falls and then just rolls and rolls and rolls over the edge of the cliff. And, you mm-hmm. know, Shang tries his best to hold on to his father and, mm-hmm. and you know, is asking Ouyang for help. No Young's just kind of like sauntering over. And so, of course, he can't hold on to his father and mm-hmm. he falls to his death. And then, of course, poor Essen comes up and is just heartbroken at what has happened because he sees his father yeah. dead and his brother seemingly the one to have allowed it to happen. Mm-hmm. And it's just sad. Yeah, I feel bad for him. I feel bad for all of them. Yeah. Because they're all pawns in Ouyang's game. Yeah. And then Ouyang has just been abused all his life. So, I mean, you got to feel bad for him and you kind of want him to get revenge. Mm-hmm. But I don't know. It's a complicated dynamic. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But we go back over to Anfang where the Red Turbans have their base and... We delve back into some political espionage. I don't know. Drama. Yeah, definitely drama. <laughs> definitely drama. I don't know about the espionage. But I like this a little. Anyways, so little Guo wants to take uh, Jiang Kong mm-hmm. next. And they're trying to decide on like a permanent capital for their kingdom. And it's be- between Jiang Kong and beyond long mm-hmm. there's like rich history at beyond long but it's also like ruins um but it's also like the last place that like their dynasty held a throne yeah. before the mongols took it so it's very special to them so the prime minister really wants beyond long but little guo thinks jiang kong has more resources and strategically would just be better mm-hmm. And so he insists on taking that. And Chen goes along with little Guo's idea, which is very sus. Yeah. I'm, Ma is instantly like, 
everybody, this is really, really bad. Please listen to me. This is really bad. We should not be listening to Chen and be trusting that this is okay. Like, little Guo, you gotta be, you gotta be careful. And he's just like, no, I got it. I got it. It's gonna be fine. I'm gonna marry you when I get back. It's gonna be perfect. (laughs) Mm Mm-hmm. He's like, I'm going to be king of Jiang Kong. Mm. I'm going to be king of it. I'm going to sit on the throne there. Mm-hmm. Chen's going along with me. This is great. Everyone is supporting me right now. <laughs> and, like, everyone can see it but him. And Chu is just, like, writing a fence post. Like, she does not want to take a side right now. She doesn't think it's the right time. And she's thinking about her greater destiny. Mm-hmm. She's not thinking about... Like, she definitely doesn't want to save little Guo. Um, right. And she doesn't necessarily want to help Chen. Yeah, yeah. But then Ma Ma talks to her and is like, look out for, look out for him. Like, I know you're mm-hmm. kind of on Chen's side, but like, if you could look out for him. And she's like, I really don't like him, but I like you, so I guess I'll... <laughs> look out for him yeah. so unfortunate but uh they take jiang kong and little guo is awful like the whole time Ugh. he is just the worst a prisoner woman tries to stab him at one point mm-hmm. and because chu made that promise to ma she saves him and i was like oh why did you save him right <laughs> You know, then he starts to kick her on the ground and uh, his friend Soon Ming has to pull him off of her and we immediately wish she had stabbed him for real. Well, yeah, I mean, his friend has to calm him down, but he's like, I'm going to be king. And like, yeah, sure, you'll you'll be king. You'll you'll be the ruler of this town. It'll be fine. But like very loud. (laughs) everybody yes. is hearing this it's just like he, yes little Guo was not made for po- like politics and and no. does not understand how careful he needs to be with every move that he makes he wants mm-hmm. he wants to be great he wants that power but he's just not as good at being cautious and understanding the full picture as other people are mm-hmm. in the story yeah they march back to Anfang, and he's right away put in custody mm-hmm. <laughs> because part of his army broke off and got there before him, told Chen and the prime minister that they overheard him saying that he wanted to be king and sit on the throne at Jiangkyang. And wow, right away, basically right away taken to the gallows and is executed He's, like, drawn and, and quartered, right? It's, like... He's drawn and quartered. It's, it's, like, the worst execution. It's gruesome. We go right from that to Chu proposing to Ma. Mm-hmm. Right away. No no lag time. Yeah, not really much of any lag time at all. I don't know. It is interesting. I mean, they've been getting to know each other, and Chu is, like, this will be good for for you, for both of us. I mean, I think that Ma... Or at least I thought at this point in the story that Ma was going to be, like, a really good influence on Chu and just making sure mm-hmm. that Chu didn't, like, go too far in things. Does Ma continue to be a good influence? She tries. <laughs> but, yeah. But Chu does her own thing 
throughout this story. Mm-hmm. But yeah, it is just, I don't know, it is interesting that she kind of immediately proposes. Yeah, I don't personally think I personally would need any morning time for little Guo. Right. But yeah, I, I think at this point, isn't it when Chu reveals that she is female to Ma? Oh, yeah. Right. And that's really what does convince her that she can escape what she thought her fate Mm -hmm. was, that she she can maybe travel a different path. Like marriage isn't going to be what she had always thought it was going to be and in a good way. So, Mm -hmm. yep. Yep. And this is the first time she was revealing herself like willingly no one's like finding out her secret you know ma's not just finding out yeah her secret you know like shu or prefect fong you know yep. very special moment so essen is having a really hard time now that his dad is dead oh essen <laughs> he's drinking his feelings and it's very sad. Super angry with his brother. Blames his brother. Oh, blames his brother so hard uh, for Baoshang. It's, yeah, it's just all around. It's not great. Uh, oh, Young, I mean, this was kind of his plan. So mm-hmm. things are kind of working out for him. But he's still, it's that constant struggle of, I care for this dumb, dumb man. And then this Mm -hmm. dumb, dumb man continues to say really awful things to me. Yeah. So I guess it's okay that I have this plan against this very stupid man. Oh my gosh. Yep. I mean, Essen disowns Baoshang, like, formally. You know, a few things set him off here and there. And he just cuts the string, finally. And then a weird scene happens where Ouyang... No. Essen mm-hmm. comes to Ouyang's quarters drunk and like kind of this is like one of those moments where like we really understand that Essen knows nothing about Ouyang and how he feels. He like has a moment where he's like I don't know maybe making a pass at Ouyang or something mm-hmm. and like mentions how beautiful he mm-hmm. is like you really are as beautiful as a woman and like yeah and Ouyang just like hates it so much like he's always hated being compared to a woman Essen too like his whole demeanor after like losing his father is just like I'm lost my whole family like uh Ouyang you never could imagine this grief that I'm going through like, losing my entire family yeah, not even that but it's like oh <laughs> it must be so much easier to have no family to have had no family and it's like he had a family your family yes. killed his entire family yeah grandparents parents like brother like all of the men in his family were killed except for him Essen, your family yeah. killed like his his whole family Ooh. yeah I'm like, how can you be so clueless? There are so many times where Ouyang was like so... He is into you, Essen. You two are into each other. But then you open your dumb mouth and you say Mm -hmm. these awful things. And so then, of course, he's not going to be able to get past that. I just... Exactly. uh, If Essen had realized 
but he didn't because he's dumb and privileged mm-hmm. and just doesn't notice. <sighs> he ruins every moment by opening mm-hmm. his mouth. Truly, really I feel does. like if one of these times he had said the right things, done the right things, Oh Young would have ended his revenge plan, or at least mm-hmm. wouldn't have done the revenge plan in the same way. Yeah, I agree. And then back with with the other group, with the rebels, we have... Chun Ma, get married. Mm-hmm. Um, okay, so this part kind of confused me. Okay. So before the wedding... Um, Chu has this moment where she lays out some food for ghosts to eat. Okay, yeah. So we have Chen is, you know, more powerful than ever since little Guo's death. Mm -hmm. Like, that basically kind of stripped the power from Guo's faction and everything. And so he's going to take uh, Chuda as, like, a hostage basically from Chu and be like, Shuda, you're now going to come and train my people. Like, yeah, that's what it is. But really it's just keeping an eye on him and kind of keeping Chu to be following along with what he Mm -hmm. wanted. And Ma was like, there's going to be a battle. Guo's camp is going to go up against Chen your men are going to be fighting. They're like brothers in arms. There has to be another way to prevent this. And so then that's where we've got Chu remembering about like the ghost offerings and how ghost offerings aren't meant to be consumed. Like even when she was in the famine and starving, did not touch the offerings for the ghosts because that could bring terrible things upon you. If you do it. Mm -hmm. So this is, again, her most ridiculous plan is like, I'm going to follow Ma. I love her. I'm going to do what she wants and make sure that my men do not have to fight like our brothers in arms by feeding them the offerings for the ghosts Mm. and starting a plague. Gotcha. But yeah, and I guess, I mean, her plan kind of works when... Guo goes up against Chen, her entire, because basically she starts a pandemic and she kind of talks later about like, oh, I thought it would only be the people who ate it, who got it, but then it Mm -hmm. like spread and continued to spread and pretty much everybody got, Ma got it. Um, They sent Shuda, Mm -hmm. I mean, bright side, they sent Shuda back because they were scared that maybe he had the plague and then he did end up getting. Yeah sick our little thief friend also gets sick he's the first one to get sick which chew how dare you how dare you i know how dare you how dare you (laughs) but yeah i mean it works when when the coup attempted coup happens they're too sick to raise arms against their fellow soldiers and chen is able to defeat Guo and his faction pretty easily. Mm-hmm. And so now he's like yep. super in control. There's only the prime minister between him and the Prince of Radiance. Yeah. And uh Chu's hands are clean and uh they were let uh they were allowed to leave. Like, you know, they were quarantined mm-hmm. at the monastery basically. Uh they were allowed to leave just in time to see Chen uh, 
skin old glow alive. Oh, yeah. Uh, the tortures in this book are pretty, uh, pretty creative. So now Ju has half of all the red turban forces mm-hmm. under her command, which is pretty awesome. And it shows that Chen is like kind of trusting Chu. Yeah. We still don't know how much Chen trusts her, but like still doesn't like distrust her. Right. Chu goes in for a meeting uh, with whoever's less left of the <laughs> the council. It's just Chen and her, the Prince of Radiance and the Prime Minister, I think, and one other general. Mm-hmm. One other commander. I think so. I can't remember his name. We find out in the meantime that the Prince of Radiance can see ghosts too, which is an interesting fact. Ooh, because he mentions that the ghosts are following uh, Chu around and are kind of mad at her. But uh, Chen sends Chu to be a distraction army at Jining, mm-hmm. uh, which is going to be a very dangerous mission. And it's kind of like the last step Chu thinks to gaining Chen's trust. Yeah, Chen is going with that other commander's army to take Bian Long back. And while they do that, they want to distract Ouyang's forces with Chu's forces. Mm-hmm. And um, they promise, Chen promises to send word, you know, or, you know, that they're attacking Bian Long to then draw Ouyang's mm-hmm. forces away. Or, you know, or I guess promises to show up yeah. on time. Meanwhile, we know Yong's got his own plans going on and that he doesn't even care about Beyond Long. Like, he's not even paying attention yeah. to that. He he will willingly fall for this distraction because he does not care mm-hmm. about protecting that city. Yeah. He cares more about his revenge on Chu because of the humiliation yeah. that she caused him at the Yelp River. Yeah. Again, can hold a grudge. Yeah. <laughs> yep. So, Ouyang versus Chu at Jinning. <laughs> the battle goes on far too long. Chu starts to think that Chen left her out to dry, never showed up to Beyond Long to be- do battle mm-hmm. there, and just sent her to Jinning to die. And... This is a battle of fates. Ouyang is spouting that it is his destiny to meet Chu on this battlefield. And Chu is saying that it's her destiny to survive. Yep. And Ouyang thinks it's his destiny to kill her. So it's uh, uh, interesting. They meet in one-on-one battle on the field because Chu thinks she can talk her way out of it. And again, it's like one of those, okay, you have a plan, right? Right. You have a plan. Yeah, I mean, she thinks she can talk her way out of it. And also that, like, maybe he just doesn't know that the city is being, Mm -hmm. like, that this is a distraction. Like, let me just tell him. He'll definitely turn around and go for that. And I'll be able to save my army. And I'll probably survive, too. You know what? I'm meant for greatness. Definitely meant for greatness. Mm -hmm. Nothing can strike me down. Yes. Um, And then he stabbed her. And (laughs) I, like, read that sentence, like, five times. I was like, wait, he stabbed her, Mm -hmm. right? Through the gut? Mm -hmm. Through the gut. Through the gut. Mm -hmm. Okay. 
he stabbed her. And then chops <laughs> her hand off because he is very stuck on this idea of like mutilation and i would mm-hmm. understandably so he himself has been has been mutilated and so he sees that this is going to be the ultimate shame for this monk for this man like he will no longer be able to lead his armies and and oh yang mm-hmm. will get his revenge and it doesn't turn out the way he thought it would <laughs> exactly exactly they lose beyond long because Ouyang never showed up. Yeah. <laughs> he showed up late. He shows up he late. He showed up late. <laughs> and um, they lose it. Essen um, is not that angry about it. Ouyang approaches it like he would be as angry as the prince of Hanan was previously angry about the Yao River incident. And Essen is really just forgiving. Like, I mean, he loves Ouyang way too much to ever be that angry at him Mm -hmm. and um he just suggests that hey why don't we get uh Shang Mm -hmm. on our side get some more troops from him we'll retake beyond long bada bing bada boom easy don't sweat Mm -hmm. it and Ouyang's like how can I hate you but I must kill you And invites Essen to come along. Oh, wait. Yeah. Well, I guess, yeah, yeah. I guess he invites Essen to come along on this journey. Yeah, because um, Essen had been, you know, taking over his father's duties. And because he doesn't have an heir, he doesn't have a son from mm-hmm. any of his wives at the at this point, is really shouldn't be going out in the field. But for mm-hmm. Ouyang, he will. Like, if this is what you need yeah. of me, then then yes, I will do it. And choose alive. Yes. What? She's alive? Who knew? Um, she's really uh, born again yeah. here. She's She feels like she is this third person mm-hmm. now. Like, for real. It's been kind of forming over the past couple months, but Ouyang cutting off her hand, slicing her up, really was the last string, I think, the last push to kind of make her into this third version of herself. Yeah. And so she's really questioning who she is, and it's like her first time realizing her own autonomy and that she can really be whoever she wants to be. Right. And that her destiny is going to come for her no matter what. Yeah. Chu gets a note from Chen where he invites her to take Beyond Long with him and, uh, or, you know, keep Beyond Long because yeah. Chen is there right now with the Prime Minister and the Prince of mm-hmm. Radiance. Um, but he invites her to keep it because he knows that Ouyang and his armies are marching that way. He also invites her to overthrow the Prime Minister yes. and kidnap the Prince of Radiance. I was so surprised that he put that so directly in writing. Yes, in a note that anyone could have read. I was very surprised that it just clearly <laughs> stated that in that note. <laughs> I was really surprised. <laughs> well, you know, we're getting to the end of the novel. Let's, uh, we don't have time for a lengthy drawn out coded message (laughs) this is the time for brevity (laughs) yep chu has a a choice to make and 
we don't know what she's gonna choose at all Mm-mm. we have no clue like her morals we've seen go back and forth so i mean she could do anything honestly yeah and we just gotta wait because now we're back with oh young and he is killing off his commanders left and right that do not agree with him right we find out later that lord wong is also like involved in a lot of it or at least in like helping the cover up Mm -hmm. of all of these things he's like you would not have gotten this far without me um yes yeah but yeah he's just people are no longer truly believing in his cause and so he has them taken care of and is still going to go forward with his plan Mm-hmm. So, oh, um, and then so back to Chu, we find out that uh, that Zhao, who he's the one who built the gong for her. He's now like a physician with like a medical physician for the troop. Mm-hmm. He um, he knows too much. He he helped her. He helped heal her wounds. And so he knows the truth about her being a woman. Mm-hmm. And now he must die but yeah so then she goes to talk to him and then reveals to him that she too has a mandate of heaven mm-hmm. that she can glow and hers is pure yeah it's pure it's white apparently it's a mandate that has never been seen before so he's kind of like hmm like i don't know <laughs> I think it kind of hurt mm-hmm. her that it was one that like hadn't really been seen before because he was kind of like hmm okay sure but he was he was also very i don't know i mean he's like impressed for sure but is also not really sure what to think of this so he's going to you know follow her for now i don't know if showing him the mandate really like bought her any more time or not i think he was going to follow her for that last time anyway Mm -hmm. we'll see yeah i don't know i mean so you have to be a man to get the man date (laughs) and um, so the fact that she has a mandate proves something but i think you're right i think the fact that it was a color that no one had ever seen before backfired a little bit because then jow could be like oh that's the woman's color yeah i don't know yeah or like it's unusual because you're different who knows yeah but Either way, Chu goes to Bianlong and Ouyang is already there with his armies. And she's like, why has he not attacked yet? And she right away knows it's because he's probably looking for reinforcements. She has like a good military strategizing mind. Mm -hmm. And I mean, that's probably why she's good. So good at thinking up like her harebrained plans. Yeah. Like, you know, so on the spot. But um, so she goes to Ouyang and she makes a deal with him for the life mm-hmm. of the prime minister and the prince of radiance. Well, yeah. All he has to do. Oh, yeah. Go and ahead. Just before that, like she goes to Shuda and is like, I have to talk to Ouyang again. <laughs> and oh, Shuda yeah. is like, <laughs> yes. what is wrong yes. with you? <laughs> yeah. She's like, I have a plan, but you're not going to like it. Like, you did this last time, and then I had to go with your practical corpse back to 
Like, your wife, why? Why are you doing this? Yeah. And she's like, no, no, I got this. I, I understand him now. We are fully connected. I I get him. It'll be perfect. <laughs> and then she just sneaks into the Mongol camp uh, and makes no her way deal. to him. So, yeah. Mm-hmm. Yes. So she asks him to send a note to the prime minister. And I guess uh, this is kind of Ouyang's idea. He says every morning the prime minister goes up to this watchtower and looks out over the troops to survey them. And he's like, if I can get a note up there, then he can read mm-hmm. it. And I'll, I'll let him know what your plan is. And she's like, okay, if you can make that shot, we only have, I only have one note. Like, you know. You better make the shot. And he was like, well, do you trust me or not? You know, like, also, if I do this and you have to, like, abandon the battlefield and let me take, Mm -hmm. you know, Chen's armies and kill Chen. And she's like, no problem. Yeah. (laughs) He's yours. (laughs) For sure. Yeah. She's she's given till midday, though, because Ouyang is like, yeah, I mean, I will. I will attack you if if you're Mm -hmm. still here. Yeah. Yeah. She she's just relying on the prime minister uh being both paranoid enough and like savvy enough to be able to escape the city with the prince of radiance. That's she's mm-hmm. she's truly relying on him to do that. And he cuts it close, but he does he does manage to get out of there with the prince uh and make it back to them. Yeah. They race away for 2 miles. The prime minister is like, thank you. Thank you so much. You will be honored. You're amazing. You're amazing. And Chu just slices his throat Mm -hmm. quick. That's how she should have done the general before. Instead of setting him on fire. Poor governor. Not poor governor, but yeah. (laughs) Seriously. Uh, she kills a prince, I mean the prime minister, and makes away with the prince of radiance mm-hmm. and declares herself the new prime minister because it's that easy. Yeah. Ma, she and Ma are going to move into the prime minister's mansion. Things are going to be great. Introduce Ma to mm-hmm. the prince here. Like, chew. that was just such a miscalculation on your part. Mm-hmm. Why... I don't know. The fact that she thought it would be okay to introduce Ma to the prince mm-hmm. and have an attachment form was just so dumb of her. Yeah. Uh, we go back just to close out Essen and Bao Shang in Beyond Long. But Essen and Bao Shang are actually having a really nice moment. Um, I think this is the land that like Bao Shang's family is from. So he's like teaching Essen about it a little bit. Right. And about, like, some of the history of Beyond Long and, like, what the beautiful gardens mm-hmm. there look like before they were destroyed by Essen's ancestors. Mm-hmm. Then you can hear all of Essen's men being slaughtered yep. outside the door. And Baoshang is like, you hear that? That's your men. Yeah. Uh- <laughs> and, and, of course, Essen is like, Baoshang, what are you doing now? And he's like, hey, not me. I mean, like, kind of me. I didn't put a stop to it, but not my plan. Yep. And then bursting through the door, Ouyang was like, it was my Blood plan. Blood covered, like, all yes. over him from chopping down all of Essen's men. Yes. 
it was me. And then Ohyang killed Essen himself. Mm -hmm. Very sad. I don't know. Because the whole time I was like, their relationship as it stands would never be a healthy one and would never work out. Yeah. I understand that it is very sad. Like the potential that was there makes it Mm -hmm. very sad. And they did truly care about each other. So that makes it sad. But also it never would have been a good relationship. Yeah. A lot needed to change. Oh, for sure. Yep. Mm-hmm. So next stop is taking on the con. Yeah. Getting that final revenge. Logical next step. Um, What does he do with Bao Shang? Um, I can't remember. I, can't remember I feel like he just, he just like, him lets him run away. Yep. I don't know. I don't know. I feel like Bao Shang probably just ran away during yeah. everything. I think he just made his way out of there <laughs> and is off somewhere. Yeah. Chu, like, her first order of business is retaking Jiang Kong. Apparently, one mandate can't become one while another lives. But it seems like a lot of mandates are alive right now, so I really don't really understand that logic. But maybe... Like, the Prince of Radiance isn't, like, the only true mandate, and everyone else just has, like, yeah. periphery power. Like, you know how she can see ghosts mm-hmm. and can make light, but, like, she doesn't necessarily remember, like, all 10,000 past lives. Right. And, like... I mean, the main thing is that he was good because he was the reason all of the people were even following them in the first place, but now mm-hmm. she's like, I don't need that anymore they can follow me they're willing to follow me mm-hmm. so i don't need this prince of radiance anymore because i can be the yeah. one who is radiant and who has the mandate so mm-hmm. so she takes the prince and kills him ma is not happy <laughs> yeah it's right after ma and the prince had a sweet bonding moment where I'm pretty sure Ma was like, I want to be a mom, mm-hmm. and look at this baby. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. Yep. And I mean, she doesn't even find out about it for like a month. She she ends up making it her way there eventually, and they're like, oh yeah, mourning is already done for the prince. And she was mm-hmm. never even told. And the book just kind of ends with her coming to power and her people accepting her. Yeah, and giving herself a new name because she's I miss she's that. Chu Yuan Chong now. Oh, the end. Very nice. Yup. And that is she who became the sun. Very great novel. Yes. Yeah. Interesting yeah. to see what happens next. Same. I am really interested. Um, Hannah, you know I'm really. You know I told you. We took a month off. I was feeling a little rusty and uh, I didn't come up with any recommendations. (laughs) No worries. I have two recommendations. (laughs) Hannah, help me out. Uh, What would you recommend for those who really loved this book? Uh, So my first recommendation is one that I think probably a lot of people have already read it's The Poppy War by R.F. Kuang. It's the first book in a trilogy. It's a military historical fantasy. Uh, definitely check out the content warnings for this book. Um, the author does not shy away from getting very graphic about what occurs during a war. 
Um, so in this book, we have Rin. She's a war orphan who is going to be married off when she decides to take fate into her own hands and studies super hard to be accepted into this amazing school. And so this book really has like these two separate halves to it, where the first half of the book is all about Rin training and learning, and you get like this really interesting school setting. And then the second half is where they then put their training into action and things get pretty dark Mm. and awful pretty quick. There are magical powers and, like, connections with gods. Uh, It's really interesting with another cast of, like, morally gray characters who are making decisions that you can understand why they made them, but they're also just not the easiest decisions to accept, if that makes any sense. Mm -hmm. Jiang is another character who has my whole heart. I love him (laughs) so much. He is fantastic and hilarious and just the best. It is also uh, based on historical events. So Kuang included uh, elements that were inspired by the events of the Second Sino-Japanese War and the rape of Nanjing. So again, just be very careful with content warnings for this book. But despite being such a gruesome book, there really were so many moments of levity and it made me laugh out loud multiple times. Mainly huh. Jiang, nice. because he's the best. Uh, <laughs> I I haven't read the other two books in the trilogy, uh, but I do intend to as soon as I can. Nice. Yeah, and then my second recommendation is a Chinese historical drama, or sorry, a Chinese historical fantasy series that you can watch on Netflix called Word of Honor. Um, now, Netflix strikes again. The description of this show says... A disillusioned leader of assassins sets out for the martial arts world where he encounters a bosom friend and becomes entangled in a conspiracy. <laughs> um, yeah, no, this show is super queer. I just need you all to know <laughs> that it is super queer. Um, <laughs> oh my god. <laughs> so uh, a euphemism in Chinese for someone who is queer is a cut sleeve. And so a couple different times throughout the show, the main characters have parts of their sleeves of their outfits cut off. So it's not subtle, people. It is very clear um they are clearly soulmates they discuss that like word for word that they are soulmates in the show but anyway uh this show also really delves into how things aren't always like black and white um we have ashu who is the former assassin who's just trying to live out his days in some kind of peace but just keeps getting dragged back into things we have Wen Kuxing, who is out for revenge, um, and the adorable dumb tween that they basically adopt along the way. Um, everybody's after this, like, treasure trove of, like, martial arts information, and they're all trying to get access to it and find the key. And anyway, it's just, it's great. It's filled with politics and martial arts and just these adorable men, and it's available on Netflix, so everyone should watch it. Nice. Yeah. Amazing. Lovely, Hannah. <laughs> I love it. Great recommendations. Enough for the both of us. <laughs> yep. <laughs> <laughs> 
Hannah, what are we reading next time? Uh, so next time we will be reading The Athena Protocol by Shamim Seraf. I believe it's a YA thriller. It's about Jesse Archer, who was a member of an elite organization of female spies until she was kicked out. And now she needs to right that wrong and prove herself. And that's all I know. <laughs> Amazing. Well, thank you for listening to this episode of Treat Yourself. Uh, remember to check us out on all the social media things, Instagram and Twitter. All the information is in our show notes. Please don't forget to rate and review us on iTunes. And once again, don't forget to treat yourself. <laughs>